Hey guys, and welcome to episode number five of Give It The Beans. Now, it is just me, myself, and I today. Uh, the main reason because I forgot that I have some questions to answer that when I originally put this out on Instagram, uh, a few people asked me uh, a few questions. I did say I would get back to them, uh, but I've been so busy recording with uh, guests that I figured it was time to do a Q&A to answer them. A little bit of a shorter podcast with it just being myself. And for anyone that is interested, uh, has a topic that they would like discussed, uh, or, or if you want to perhaps ask a certain coach anything, uh, I'll always post about it on Instagram, at VW Physique, and just drop me a message, drop me a line. Uh, I will screenshot it. I will get to it on my next Q&A. Uh, I'll do these every sort of couple of weeks when the questions build up. Um, or by any means, if I have a, a certain guest on that you want to know more about or something that they do, uh, by all means, uh, please do fire your questions over. So I'm just going to go straight in. The first question was, uh, or one of the questions was, from Johnny uh, asking about um, digestion post-workout uh, and also carrier agents like cyclic dextrin. He wants to know why the main purpose that they provide. So I'll break this down into two. I'll address the intra question first. I think when it comes to intra-workout, most people will not need it. And that is more from like a general pop perspective they will be if if your client has goals of just getting fitter and adding a bit of tissue. Let's say they're a, a female. Now there's no way that they're going to be needing any intra workout. They're just going to be needing total calories for the day. However, let's say you've advanced and you've got a a comp prep athlete, whether they be female uh, or male. I'm a huge believer uh, in intra workout. I use it myself, and for many reasons. Now. I'll always favour uh, cyclic dextrin over their sort of counterparts, which are maltodextrin, dextrose powder, things like that. And the reason being is that cyclic dextrin has rapid gastric emptying properties just due to its osmolarity versus other two. Uh, for those of you who don't know what osmolarity stands for, it is just the sort of how we describe how water transports from areas of high concentration to areas of low concentration and vice versa. So cyclodexin is rapidly digested and uptaken into the bloodstream. Now, if we are training and your athlete is intensity is up there, you have ready available fuel. Now, if we're the whole concept of holding on to muscle mass around the workout parameter will always be to fuel that workout. So we're going to be putting in carbs intra to offset muscle protein breakdown but also to fuel performance i mean personally i've gotten my carbs up to intra workout up to 140 150 grams before so there's just no way that you're going to need all of that during the workout but what it does is that the minute you have finished the workout process you will automatically start uptaking some of the carbs that you've in ingested now for those that don't know we always put a, a well personally i do i believe in peri-working nutrition um, i always put a large bolus of carbohydrates post-workout along with protein 
Main reason because lar a large bolus of carbohydrates will offset muscle protein breakdown. And if you dose that with protein itself, you start to then flip that switch from muscle protein breakdown into muscle protein synthesis. And by that, we just mean muscle growth, recovery, repair. So let's say you've put in your cyclic dextrin intra workout, but let's say you've also added in a Pepto Pro, an essential or an essential amino acid. Again, these things might not be fully absorbed during your workout. However, the minute that you've stopped training, you've went and sort of chilled out, you know, you've done your sort of parasympathetic dominant activity like Luke spoke about in his pod in the podcast uh, just before this, your body will already start to repair and use the fuel that's intra to, you know, as we, as we just described, offset muscle protein breakdown, etc, etc. So... Is it necessary? No. Do I use it? Absolutely. So for the clients I work with, a lot of them are, I don't, I don't really work with any complete beginners, if I'm honest. So a lot of them are, I would call advanced gen pop or uh, compet competitors, whether that's bikini girls, figure girls, uh, physique guys or bodybuilders. For the likes of the bodybuilders, uh, they're always going to have intra because they usually have a lot a lot of muscle mass um, if they're in an off season as well and calories are super high uh, intra is simply a a really good opportunity a window to get food in because you know right now I've got one client um, he'll know who he is his calories are up to almost 5,000 um, it's taken him about an hour to eat post-workout um, if we were to not put intra into his daily intake he would then have to eat another meal on top of what he already is now with appetite bombing i think that it's a, it's a great tool to use i think as well where i'll tend to use it will be more like a psychological thing as well so for some clients that maybe typically maybe they experience a lot of stress a lot of anxiety and um, training to them is their be all end all they love it they will do absolutely everything in their power to um, increase performance, whatever it may be. Um, so if you let's say you've got like an intermediate gen pop and you, you describe this process to them and you know probably in the back of your mind that this might not make the world a difference and you can give them more food. Sometimes you, you put a small amount in and it has this placebo effect where they think, right, I've got more fuel in me, I'm stronger and they ultimately end up sort of PBing or, you know, hitting, uh, accumulating more, more load uh, over the weeks just from something that's, you know, 30 grams of, of cyclic dextrin. Now, Again, it's not something that I give to every, like I, I would suggest everyone needs, but it's something I've used for the past three years. For any sort of assisted guys that are out there, I think you definitely need to be taking advantage of this because, again, like the reason you're taking your anabolics is because you want to add muscle mass and you want to increase your ability to recover and repair. Well, I would argue that food is one of the most anabolic you know things out there and by simply using peri-workout nutrition and again I'll say that's all about putting the majority of your carbohydrates in around the workout you will increase your body's ability to repair from the workout you've just done but also you're going to minimize fat gain so it's really really, really good tool to use for like a, an off season or a bulk period 
and I'll always put a, a Pepto Pro or a, you know an essential a, a complete protein in there versus you know your typical what people use BCAs. A little bit of research out there to show that uh, a complete you know profile of, of all nine essentials is going to be far more effective at stimulating the mTOR pathway than just your standard three that you get from BCAs. Again, for those of you who don't know what mTOR pathway is, just a sciency um, sort of terminology to describe that, that the processes of how we actually add tissue or, or the process that repairs and, and helps add tissue. So I think I talked that question to death there, mate. I hope that gives you a little bit more of an insight of you know why we put uh, intra-workout and why we have a lot of carbs sort of post-workout. Um, you mentioned the word digestion. I think we touched on that a little bit with the fact that your, you know, your maltodextrin, your dextrose powders will draw a lot of water into the gut. So if you're consuming like 100 grams of maltodextrin during training and you're, you know, you're, you're drinking, say, a litre and a half, almost two litres of water with it, that, that is just sitting in your stomach and giving you digestive distress really as you're training and you want that minimized when you're training because obviously you know that blood has been shunted towards the tissue that's you know been been smashed on a hack squat or the leg extension or you know inclined chest press or whatever it is um, but for foods like post-workout uh, i'd be going for as easy digestible foods as possible i'd be having like high glycemic index carbs I, I, I kind of go for a mix, if I'm honest. I'll have, like, say, a little bit from something slow-releasing, like basmati rice, um, versus, like, you know, when I was bulking, I was having jelly snakes and Pop-Tarts, where uh, now it's uh, cereal and basmati rice because it just fills me up a little bit more. But, again, that's completely depressant-dependent. You know, the, the best diet is the one that works for you. So, moving on, um, another question from Tom was asking about diet plan initial setup and adjustments so i'll be honest with you a lot of my clients run their own food and in the initial setup when i send over what you know and i always call it an example meal plan and i, I never say it, it's something they need to stick to it i say like this is some structure and then you're just going to make your amendments and, and changes uh, with that but if we're talking about a diet um, a, a period of time where someone's trying to drop body fat, w w there's a few things you need to take into consideration when we are deciding their sort of total calories and, and where to go from there. So I still use the same method that I learned down at the M10 camps um, all that time ago. And this will be totally person-dependent person on someone's body fat. Now, let's, for example, take uh, someone that's at 25% body fat. I will often work out what their lean body mass is and then I'll times th this is in pounds and then I'll times that by about 11.5 or 12.5 now you're probably thinking why the hell are you doing that it's simply just a, a calculation that they used to have a starting point where you know calories were roughly in a, in a point of a of a deficit now you're probably thinking but Vaughn what about basal metabolic rate what about their um you know, output, their job, this and the next thing. And, and yeah, I would totally get that. But if you were stuck with someone and you had no idea of where they were at, then that's what I would do. Now, if it was someone that was extremely lean, that was coming to you, that is say 12% body fat, they're a guy, 12% body fat, you're probably going to go with total body mass rather than their body fat. 
And again, that was just uh, something they said in their lecture that, that I took and I still use today. However, I'll be honest with you, that's just a calculation. Sometimes it is way off because when you look at, like, you know, say for example, a client's job, um, what they do in their personal life, they, they maybe go out walking and do like 15, 20,000 steps a day. They might, you know, train like an absolute animal. These things can be totally off by about five, six, seven, eight hundred calories. So again, I think that you have to work out first off where someone is with their intake and their output. Once you've got that, make adjustments from there. So I, with my clients, when they come on board, I say right, we agree on the combined goal, and I say let's let's just say it's a it's a sixteen week dieting phase. And I said, right, in the 16 weeks, we are going to take off X amount of total body weight. For that, we need to take off X amount per week or per month. So we, let's say we figured out the calories. We have set an output, whether that's a combination of cardio, steps, training, and whatnot. And I'll be honest with you, mate, you just wait and you see what happens. Now, the more people you work with, the easier this gets to do, right? So it will be technically an educated guess, but... If you've worked with, say, hundreds of bodies over the years and you've collated a lot of data, you've kept, you know, what worked for um, your client two, three years ago that's very similar to the one you're working with now, you kind of have a good good idea of where to go. So let's say they get three or four weeks in. And in those three, four weeks, you know, you're dropping half a kilo, half a kilo each week, each month. Uh, sorry, half a kilo each week. And by the time you get to week three, week four, you, you start to stall. Now... There's a lot, a lot of things you got to take into consideration before you decide to make a change. You got to look at, like, right, how stressed are they? If it's a female, are they on their menstrual cycle? Are they late luteal phase? Perhaps was someone that week eating at night, so it made that their um, the next day the weight was up. Were they unable to go to the toilet? But this is where photos come into play as well, right? So that's just a few examples of things you could take into consideration. But let's say you have assessed absolutely everything and then you say to your, you know, you say in your head, right, we need to make some changes to help mobilize fat so that next week we get that extra half kilo off. If you're wondering why I'm saying half a kilo, right, it's it's close to, you know, a three and a half thousand calorie deficit is what we need to accumulate to mobilize one pound of fat, which is close to half a kilo, we all know a kilo is about 2.2 pounds, so ideal progress about one pound a week or half a kilo is where I would go. Now, let's say a client can't, you know, they've stalled. What I would probably look to do is I'd probably look to save, if I was adjusting food, which again, this is totally person dependent on what I would do, the time frame, the journey, um, their ability to, to not overeat, I would probably pull about a thousand calories across the week. Now, that's all I would do and I would just wait and I'd see what happens let's say someone's like no 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 I can't I cannot eat less but you know I can I'm I'm willing to do a little bit more uh, in the gym so say right let's add 30 minutes of cardio extra across the week now if someone's doing cardio say four or five times across the week that's not that much added to every session but if someone's like, right, I can't do too much extra in the gym, but I'm willing to walk, you can say, right, let's add fifteen extra 15 minutes of cardio and let's up your step count from, say, 10, 11,000 straight up to 15. And of course, you're going to you're gonna separate your step count 
and your cardio because there's heart rate is going to be completely different in those two instances one if it's hit training heart rate above sort of 130 135 beats per minute if you're walking heart rate's not going to be that high let's face it so then <laughs> if we think of another scenario where um a client is prepping for a show and they are behind right you know you've worked out in your head the time frame that they need to take off you've get you know guesstimate their stage weight and you get you get to a point where you're thinking right we we need more than half a kilo next week because we've stalled for two weeks even though i made adjustments so you might add in 30 minutes a hit but at the same time you might drop calories by 100 a day now you probably think you had Vaughn that's not a thousand I'm like right well we don't need it less of a thousand I've in in you know over over the past year or two have probably maybe pulled food down by 100 a day and added an extra 20 minutes of cardio I've seen me adjust all of those uh Jen if she's listening, did a photo share on this year and, you know, she was chucked into that. She was given 10 weeks. They were doing, she was doing a, a couple shoot and, um, yeah, we got about three weeks out and uh, we just had to keep keep adjusting, keep adjusting. And she got there, right? It's, it depends on someone's resilience. If they can handle very low calories, if they can, um, they're fine with, you know, they've got the, the time to go to the gym all the time because, let's face it, it's easy for us PTs to spend two, three hours a day in the gym, probably the majority of you are spending about 10 to 12 hours. But someone that works nine to five, like you have to give them some fucking credit if they're able to get up, come in the gym before work, do their weights and come back after and do their cardio. Especially if they're like a mom or a dad, they've got kids, they've got commitments, they've got to do the school run. Like we don't have that sort of things to do. Um, us, well, you know, us people that perhaps don't have kids. So again, that's something that we have to bear in mind when we're like giving clients a time frame. Uh, you know, they've said the results they want to us. And I've literally said to people, right, based on what you do, your life, this is going to take you a year to get to. And I'll always be open, honest and upfront about whether I think a client can achieve that based on what they're able to commit. And then the t- like the time frame that we've got, a lot of people, you know, they see Instagram, they see social media, there's results promised within five six weeks or like a tw- you know hey buy my fucking 12 week plan it's so awesome and you lose it like that's sort of fucking bollocks for the majority of, of people out there the, the average gen pop that comes to see you like i've literally had some clients where we've dieted for like with strategic breaks now like nine months ten months take that initial dieting phase and then we transition into like a little bit of a push phase a little bit of a bulk um so that's the diet if you want to know what I would do when it comes to bulking, uh, I would simply add, again, totally person dependent. Guys, you're probably going to add an extra, like, say, 50 grams of carbs to, uh, like, their training days. That would give you an extra about 700. Uh, sorry, that would give you an extra 1,000 across the week. Um, females, I'd maybe a bit more conservative. I mean, with 30, 35 more. But I've seen, my, seen me push that more than that and a little bit less than that. And always incorporating in sort of like a meal off plan is sort of my um, strategy versus I'm sure people do things differently but that's how I tend to do it now moving on I think again I um, sort of talked that question to death so another question here a couple um, regarding comp prep um, it was asking the question was sort of the hardest category to prep for and why I asked Rob this and uh, this that was LRF, sorry, Team LRF in that episode two. If I'm honest, like 
I think it's a little bit of a shit question now that I've now that I've like had time to think about it that I asked him that because he's totally right in the sense of the hardest category to prep for is the client that maybe doesn't understand the class or doesn't understand what it needs or what it takes to get there. So a lot of people will see someone do a show and they think, I want to do that, that looks really, really, really cool, but they don't understand what it takes to get there. And then they, they maybe get like, I don't know, 12 to 14 weeks in and as a coach, you know, like you're pulling calories down, pushing cardio up over that time, pushing output up, they kind of get to a point where they go, I can't do this anymore. Like this, this sucks. This is this is like so hard. Like I never thought it was this. And and you know, or, or the the common one is, I want. I really need to function at my job. And I say, well, yeah, I know you do, but you also want to step on stage in your pants in front of judges, and you're telling me that you want a place or you want to win or you have aspirations to do that. So like, this is what it's going to take. And I think. For coaches in general, I think we need to give clients more of a realization of what it takes to get there, like especially females, like bikini girls. Like, come on, let's face it, you, your calories are not high. Uh, an example is when it gets to the end of comp prep, you will have some some bikini girls on eight hundred calories, nine hundred calories, and and that's quite common, right? Just because females naturally will struggle to lose body fat, right? It's just an evolutionary thing because, you know, they want, they bear children and their body doesn't want to allow them to drop fat so that process can't happen. It wants to, it wants to hold on to that. But for a show, you're trying to pull that off. So I guess maybe the hardest category to prep for would be the first time competitor that perhaps doesn't know. But the thing is, a lot of people, like, they'll be wanting to eat grass if you tell them to, right? They'll, they'll, they'll kind of do what is ever necessary for, uh, to get ready. But as a coach, you just have to always come from a health perspective and say, like, right, these are the, you know, we like to achieve uh, the sort of stage ready, we have to go to unhealthy places. And by that we mean, you know, it's, it's again, it's quite a common thing for, you know, females to lose the cycle during a comp prep because again the body sees the body deems that that reproduction is no longer necessary for survival and um, quite common for guys and girls to lose sex drive during that time because again we don't need that and let's take take for example um a, a bodybuilder who competes for the first time he's had a partner for years and all of a sudden he gets about 12 weeks into a diet and has zero sex drive and his missus starts to wonder, like, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? My God, does he not like me? So again, that can cause a big strain on a relationship. So I guess that it's just informing the client at the start, you know, potentially what can happen. Or or if they're going through it, like I've had this before on like a check-in sheet, they're, they're explaining like what they're going through, they're, they're struggling to hold a conversation, they can't concentrate, blah, blah. Like I will often say like this, what you're experiencing is totally normal for extremity dieting it is completely not normal for the average joe or for you know day-to-day life but when you go down to low levels of body fat like these things tend to happen and people that have been there before will know like you feel like a total zombie for the the whole day then all of, a, all of a sudden on one random day you will feel like on top of the world and for no rhyme or reason at all uh, you can't explain it. it it just happens so 
that's that's the way I would approach it for that question. And then another question here was sort of they wanted to hear an opinion on how far weight or fat tissue should be pushed in an off season and how it might differ between categories, but you know, i.e., between uh, you know bikini and bodybuilding. So I'm going to go with uh, advice I was given by Jordan Peters a few years ago, and he sort of backed it up um, this year at his seminar that I went to. And that was like for the most, maybe the majority of people, we're probably going to add a kilo a month, absolute max, I think. Especially like as females. So again, I'm going to use Clara as an example. Last year, her stage weight was 46 kilos over the course of, I think it was seven months, we pushed it up 11 kilos, which is quite a lot, but we need to remember that stage weight is not deemed, in my opinion, as the start of an off-season. So with everyone, uh, once we've sort of finished the, the, sort of the, the, the show, I'll always expect a couple kilos to be added on when we have like a sort of week off or that. And then it's not a case of because they've been binging. It's just like, well, you know, you've put maybe diuretics in the system. They're depleted. Uh, of course, you've maybe carved them up, but the body as such is depleted. So where her stage weight was at was like 46. But I was like deeming us pushing up from like 48. So then I put uh, we put on, obviously, nine kilos on her during that, that period, which is maybe a bit more. But the reason I did put on a bit more was, again, I wanted to be a bit aggressive, right? We had a certain time frame. She wanted to compete this year. She wanted to be better. Usually, I would push clients up for 20, maybe 26 weeks. Again, with her, we went a little bit more. And she looks so different this year. You'll get some people that will say, ah, you know, you only want to be putting on X amount, you know, a few pounds, blah, blah. Absolute bollocks. Mass moves mass. And you've got to understand with increased training demands come increased recovery demands. So I think for bikini girls, for females, even natural guys, I will probably go with, if it's over about a 20 to 26 period, a kilo a month is well enough. Now, bodybuilders, like especially assisted guys, if they're on something like Nandrolone, something DHT-based like EQ or whatnot as well, they will hold water. And they could easily hold, like, one, like, once they put that in, after about three weeks, when it reaches sort of peak plasma concentrations in the blood, they could easily put on, like, two or three kilos of water in what looks like a week. It happened to me back in March, right? Um, so then that, what I just said, becomes a bit relevant, right? They have the capacity to handle more food, churn through it more, they can recover quicker. So often their calories are, are like, for, like much further up but as a bodybuilder like well take me for example my shoot weight was 98 kilos my peak off season was 120 kilos right that's a huge difference that's 22 kilos and that was in about 26 weeks however again i started my off season probably at about 100k maybe maybe 101 102 and there was literally one week where I went from 104 to 107, three weeks after the switch to NPP, which is just short Esther Nandrolone. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't put 17 kilos, uh, 18 kilos on a female, but I would put it on 
uh, an assisted male if they were my client, just because, like you know, when you start pulling, when you start pulling them down, you start recomping them, they will hold on to all the tissue you've got. But I guess it really depends on, like how long you've worked with that person for. Um, an example could be, uh, you know, like Chris, um, one of my clients this year and last year, um, junior bodybuilder. You know, his stage weight was something like. 87 now fair enough he re, you know he rebounded absolutely shit um but he's up at 102 right now again that's 15 kilos we'll probably pull him down to something like 95 96 maybe a little bit more like less it just depends um and then push him right back up so it is a huge difference but i think again like rather than give you like i've given you a generic sort of like a kilo a month for uh, the unassisted, like male gen pop, but also that can be really applicable to females. I think for bikini, um, any of the bikini classes, even the sort of tone figure classes or the, or the figure, as well. Um, that that's my method. That's my opinion. I'm sure coaches want another one, and uh, the guests I'll have on, I will. If I remember, please remind me. Um, I will ask them about it, and then. I'm just going to sort of wrap this up here. There's a couple of questions. Um, the use of adding weighted vests slash ankle weights as you diet for increased meat. No, is the answer to that. I've never done that and I never will. Um, I just think what would be the point, you know, giving someone say, hey, you need to wear this weighted vest for the whole day. Nah, fuck that. Um, and my opinion on neat increases over cardio, um, increased for buildup of systematic fatigue. Again, that's like totally person dependent upon how high the neural fatigue is that you're seeing, the time frame that you've got. I mean, if neural fatigue's quite high, you're not increasing anything. If neural fatigue's high, you're backing off the gas with everything. They're deloading potentially for five, seven, maybe up to ten days if need be. Depends on the severity of the neural fatigue. So, if you think about it, have a listen back to the podcast with Luke. So if sympathetic drive, drive is high and you go to push the body further, it will push right back. However, if you reduce that, you reduce all static load, you know, fatigue, whatever you want to call it, the body will respond in kind. So maybe you back off, maybe, you know, let's say someone's six weeks out, right, and they stall. Maybe you back off the gas a little bit, you give them a bit more food for that week, for a few days, and then you you know pull back the cardio blah blah and instantly they check in the next week and they just look better and they think you're a magician they think you're a wizard and then you start digging again and then before you know it two weeks later they're, they're, even, they're like a lot leaner than they were so I think that especially like someone that's natural it's so easy to bully off muscle that you've got to be really cautious with the changes that you make towards the end of a diet phase and you need to have really strategic phases of topping up their food because again, if you listen to the podcast with Luke, he talks about why that will reduce fatigue and stress on the body. Um, but that's back to the point, you'll top them up and then have a strategic phase of digging. So that is all the questions answered as best I can. If you liked uh, this podcast, um, even as me solo, please do uh, leave a little review and subscribe. Um, and just a massive thank you to everyone so far that has given feedback um, and that has shared on your story and everything like that. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I'm humbled by it. It's amazing to get these guys on 
and um, get them to sort of share their knowledge with you and I hope that you're able to implement it into your own journey whether you're a coach whether you are just a, a very keen lifter um, I'm hope, I hope that it will bring you success in trying to transform your body if you're bulking cutting whatever it is and just hope that it sheds a little bit of information and light on uh, what actually goes on within the industry and the realms of competitive bodybuilding so enjoy your weekend guys i'll catch up with you soon and as always give it the beans <laughs>